0: And welcome back to Shamelessly Unapologetic with me, your host, Alana Pinsky. In this episode, I had a great interview with Anne Newen, who is a sexual empowerment coach. Anne and I talked about all things regarding sex positivity and sexual empowerment. Anne has a very important message within this episode that I think everyone should know about, especially if you are a woman, as women tend to get sexualized or ashamed for embracing their sexuality. And Anne really shares something so powerful with everyone. And we also talk a lot about our sexual empowerment and what our sexual expression means to us. So if this is a topic that fascinates you a ton, then you're going to really love this episode. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. And hi, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on. I am so excited to chat all things about sexual empowerment, just being very open about our own sexual identity and just how we're very sex positive people. So I'm excited to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, Did you kind of want to give an introduction about what you do right now?
1: Yeah. So I am a women's sexual empowerment coach. And so I work with women and femmes to really reclaim their sexuality as a source of their power um, and to really do that through connection um, to their bodies, um, to self-love, and to viewing sexuality as something that is life-giving and sacred and um, a deep, deep source of energy and radiance that spills over into all of the different areas of your life.
0: I love that. And I wanted to touch a little bit more about um, you being a coach in just a little bit. But I think one thing that I really wanted to know more about was, I guess, a little bit more about your backstory. I'm curious to know, how has your sexual expression changed over time from when you were younger up until now? I'd, I'd love to learn more about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So my background is uh, I'm a first-generation Vietnamese-American woman, um, and so growing up, I didn't hear or learn anything about sex in my household. It was pretty much just completely ignored. And my mom being you know an immigrant parent kind of saw like, oh, they give you sex ed in school. That'll be good. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the sex ed in school that I received was mainly around how, you know, you'll get diseases and you'll die um, to quote mean girls. (laughs) Um, And so as I was growing up, you know, very naturally, like most kids um, and most human beings, I, you know, had crushes and all of that. And once I got into high school age, Um, I started to have sex and um, it was very much for the my boyfriends or, you know, the really carried this story that um, my pleasure and my body and all of that was really for um, the enjoyment of others and never really thought of it as something that could be pleasurable or good for me. I also experienced being in a highly emotionally abusive relationship uh, in high school. And so that was my formative, you know, love relationship as well as my formative sexual relationship. And so through that, um, the pattern continued, then going into college, getting into, you know, college partying and hookup culture then. I had a lot of sex when I was really drunk or when I was out partying Um, and at the same time I didn't have it as much as other people uh, of my age then and so it was both this like kind of like I do it because I feel like I should um, during this age and during this time and I should be exploring And almost veering on that other side, I wrote a post about it recently, it was kind of like a fake sexual liberation,
0: Mm -hmm. where
1: it was almost like, okay, like, I'll have sex, I don't care, you know, like that kind of attitude, but it was never coming from true empowerment, right?
0: Yeah, Um, okay.
1: It was always a reaction, yeah. yeah.
0: Um
1: and then, you know, as I got older, um I, you know, I continued those patterns, but I did get into some safer and more loving relationships. And um and still it never felt like sex was for me. It was mm-hmm. like I wanted us to do it because mm-hmm it meant that our relationship was good or that it would make him think that I was sexy enough so that he wouldn't leave me or, you know, all of those things. And even though I experienced, you know, some pleasure in my body, a lot of the sex was out of consent with my own body. Um, Penetration was really painful. I didn't really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until I broke up with that boyfriend, Um, when I was around uh, maybe 26 or 27, that I then started to follow my teacher and to open up to this world where pleasure could actually be for me. And not only could it be for me, but it could be a way for me to develop my self-love, to heal my trauma, to feel my own body, Um, to open up to my own self-confidence and my own radiance. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's when I started doing really deep regular practice with myself, really going through this phase of becoming my own best lover. Um, And then, yeah, that led me to my coaching training. And then today, um, you know, being – fully, um, multi-orgasmic, um, (laughs) devoted to my sexuality. Yeah. I always say if I can do it, anyone can.
0: (laughs) I, I agree. I, um, I definitely think it's a shame how the patriarchy has really instilled so much shaming beliefs about sex, especially for women where, sex is always really meant for the guy. It's about the guy's pleasure. Who cares about what women think? It doesn't matter. And it's it's gross because sex is a two-way street. It's not just for one person or the other. And I definitely had similar beliefs, especially when I was a teenager because sex was still something very new that I was exploring. And I remember I lost my virginity to my ex-boyfriend when I was 18 years old. So I was a senior in high school. And yeah, there were definitely some even internal misogynistic thoughts about myself where I kind of felt like even though I have a boyfriend, I still kind of felt like a slut at the same time. And I remember there were some people in my high school, even though I had a boyfriend, there were some people who still judged me for like being a slut. But it's like I have a boyfriend, why would why would you say that about me when it's with one person? Oh yeah, like I'm a huge slut. I um I just can't stand stuff like that. Uh, Yeah, but I really admire that a lot and how you learned how to really explore your own sexuality. I'm guessing you were kind of talking more about like self-pleasure towards the end of that um, introduction. Yes. Okay. yeah, I think, you know, that's something I wanted to talk about with masturbation. I think this is something that women tend to get shamed for a lot. And I think it's something that, you know, we need to normalize a ton. I actually, so I have a YouTube channel and I had done a mukbang with a San Francisco blogger and we actually addressed masturbation and how it's something that women shouldn't be ashamed of doing. And we were saying how there are a lot of women out there who still lie about not doing it. I was curious to learn, I guess, a little bit more about what are your thoughts on why do you think women are still feeling ashamed about do you still think this kind of caters into the patriarchy or thinking that it's like weird or gross for women to be doing this I'd love to learn your insights on that as well
1: yeah I mean I think that definitely the suppression and the vilification sort of that slut um narrative that you talked about is part of it And I think that for every person, it's different. Um, But overall, you know, there's religious conditioning, which is really, really big, um, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) tied into a lot of patriarchal conditioning. Um, There's just being in a sex negative culture, you know, there's um, depending on your background and your specific culture, other things that might be layered onto that. But overall, I think a collective shadow of the world around sexuality is that it's bad or that it's dirty or that it's something that should be kept secret. And, you know, anything that we keep in the shadows, anything that we ignore and we don't bring into the light and express in a more healthy and integrated way ends up causing a lot of harm, right? I always talk about this um that you know shame is really the thing that holds in place a lot of the structures of you know, feeling like, um, like rape culture, things like Mm -hmm. that. And so I think that it's, it's a lot of these things, but yes, uh, definitely being, um, being women, especially there's a lot of different intersections and a lot of different um, angles through which that shame comes in. And um, to talk about why that's in place, it's on purpose, right? Because Mm -hmm. when you separate anyone from their biggest source of power, you disempower them and you can control them. And so there, it is not a mistake whatsoever that women's sexuality in particular has been stripped and violated and taken from them and replaced with this dominant narrative of shame, to separate us from our power, to be able to keep us docile in control, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: Yeah, I remember in college is when I really got into exploring masturbation. So after my ex and I had broken up, which was the summer before sophomore year started, I well, I actually had gotten a vibrator in my freshman year of college because we were doing the whole long distance thing. So sometimes, you know, I needed. I had needs, right, that I needed to fulfill. So that was kind of when I started to explore that. But it wasn't really until, I guess, sophomore year where it became a huge part of, I guess, my own sexual private life because I was single and trying to recover from a breakup. And so in my sorority, and I go back and I cringe on this now because I'm so anti-MLM, but there were a lot of women in my sorority who held up pure romance parties where they it's that sex toy MLM. and. I used to try to think oh this is how I'm going to become sexually empowered because they would have this presentation of showing all these sex toys talking about how masturbation is okay and while the messages that the distributors were trying to promote which I get they were they were helpful in a way but there were still so many women who obviously refused to attend that whether it was due to like religious beliefs or they thought that sex toys were just they were like an abomination. It was discussing that women shouldn't be masturbating. There was still a little bit of internal misogyny from some women in my own sorority, which is really upsetting. But there was this one time where I was with a couple of women and we were on a Greek life and executive council together. And the topic of masturbation came up in our conversation and. I mentioned that I have a vibrator, and this one girl who has a boyfriend, and she was very stuck up about the fact that she had a boyfriend. She said, Ew. And it really made me feel so bad about myself because she basically shameful. I'm not someone who masturbates on the reg like you do, Alana. And it made me feel really insecure about myself. I like if she had said something like that to me, now I would probably laugh in her face and say, Well, you know what, it's a very normal, healthy thing to do. But at the time, yeah, I was I felt I never felt so shamed. And I felt so disgusted with myself. Because it's like I had to seek her approval or something. And it's just it's disgusting. And it's sad. And it it really does a lot to your mental health. It makes you feel bad for wanting to explore something that's super healthy. I Has that like ever happened to you before personally?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I've gotten shame or weirdness around my sexuality. And, you know, I think it's a very common thing, unfortunately, that... Um, we as women have been taught um, to do to one another and, you know, that's why I think that being able to heal in community and in groups and to, you know, that's why a lot of the programs that I run are group programs. It feels edgy to a lot of people, but I think that what a lot of women don't realize is that their sexual blockage or their internalized shame comes from this fear of not belonging as a woman. And belonging is one of our deepest needs as human beings. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Almost always, I would, you know, I don't like to say absolute, but maybe 99, almost 100% of the time, when someone is slut shaming, when someone is judging. You know, it's a projection of a wound of yeah. a part of them that they haven't been able to integrate, right? Yeah. And so I think it is important, is um, no, that you know, to have a love and a compassion for just how suppressed our world is, that someone feels a need to lash out that way, right? So that's why I think that as women it's so important to do this work both on your individual self um because one when you integrate your own relationship with masturbation or self pleasure right you are not carrying that charge of shame so when someone else says something You are able to meet them with a different energy, an empowered energy, an integrated energy, which causes a ripple effect for the people that come into contact with you, right? Mm -hmm. That you could actually be grounded in that moment where someone tries to say something like that and be like, oh, actually – I saw pleasure as a form of really deep self-care and it's actually something that is really beautiful to do in relationships to keep your own desire going and that would completely change that charge, right? I feel like it is a revolutionary act as a woman, uh, almost in solidarity, definitely in solidarity with other women to do the integration and the healing on our own sexuality so that when we are potentially around other people who you know want to project or slut shame or say bad things about sexuality, that we actually have enough integration and enough health and enough empowerment in ourselves that we can meet that moment with love. We can meet that moment with a new reaction to be the one to say, Actually, I really love self-pleasure, and I see it as a part of my well-being and my health, and that it is something really good to do in relationship because it keeps you healthy, um, it keeps you in touch with your own desire, and so that those dynamics of you know what happens in that moment – you know you don't get you don't shut down and this person doesn't also have to you know sit in um sit in you know the poison that they've inherited that you know they are they are now expressing
0: agreed i love that so I wanted to kind of move on to the next thing. Um, So you kind of mentioned how some of your own personal journey is what got you started to being a sexual empowerment coach. And you mentioned a little bit about your typical clients, how it's women and femme. So I wanted to know, I guess, what were the steps to becoming a sexual empowerment coach? I'm really curious to know about getting into that career path today.
1: Yeah, so I think that any really good and masterful practitioner walks through their own healing first and foremost. So to be able to hold other people in their journey, um, you have to be able to walk through it too. So Mm -hmm. I enrolled in the Vida coaching training with Layla Martin, which is a year-long sex, love, and relationships coaching training. And the first first four months are dedicated um, solely to your own um, sexual empowerment. So, you know, it was uh, practices that helped me get in touch with my body, to release trauma from my body, um, to use um, all of the different tools of like mindfulness and breath and presence and sound um, to amplify my own orgasmic potential, my own pleasure capacity. Um, And before that too, I did another coach training and I also did my own um, personal deep healing one-on-one with a coach around trauma specifically for two years before I even did the certification. So um, so yeah, that was the journey. I was working full time, um, at YouTube, Google before I left
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: you know, it was just so transformative what I felt in my own body and how I changed that it was one of those things where I'm like, I can't not go out and teach this to everyone yeah. now. Mm-hmm.
0: Would you say that there is definitely a big difference between being a sex therapist and then being a sexual empowerment coach? Do you feel like people are questioning you? So are you a sex therapist? Do you get that a lot?
1: I don't get it a ton. I think most people... The closest thing that they can compare to is um, a sex therapist. And, you know, I think that there are a couple of differences, you know, working with a sexologist or someone who um, is a sex therapist is always great. I think that you always do want to inquire if they've, you know, if they've embodied the work. Um, There can be sometimes um, people who have studied sex a lot, right? Know a lot Mm. of the the actual like psychological mechanisms and the terms um but who haven't actually on a truly embodied level done those things um And I don't know exactly how sex therapists work, um, but I know that, you know, for me being a coach, I can or I do, um, you know, guide my clients through embodiment practices, give them those types of practices for homework. Um, I think it is a a much more holistic approach, um, meaning, you know, body, mind, heart and spirit. Um, And so, you know, I think it depends on the practitioner um, but I think that you know in general I love anyone in any profession that is you know truly trying to help people um, get in better relationship with their sexual health
0: yeah I love that and I think it's just I think that's really important and I think it's something that's very underlooked because there are so many people who want to become more sexually empowered than they, don't know the steps to get there. I guess what would you say is the best piece of advice you could give to somebody who is I guess they're they're feeling very lost about their own sexual identity, or they want to become more expressive, but they don't know where to get started? What would you say is the biggest thing that you would want them to know?
1: I would want them to know that sexuality and pleasure and epic orgasms are a trainable skill, that really what it takes is showing up and practicing, and that the biggest path to sexual empowerment is to really treat yourself like your own best lover. To Mm -hmm. get to know your own body, to get to touch and feel your own body with love and with reverence, um, and that it's possible. It is your core nature, it's what we were born with, and that there are actual, you know, tangible tools and skills that you can use. And just to name that, it can be a healing journey, right? Everyone thinks that sexual empowerment and all of that, like, it's super sexy or that it's all about just all of these sex toys. And, you know, in reality, you will have to heal your own wounds around your body. You will be challenged in terms of self-love, but it's... Some of the most beautiful and most life-giving work that you can do because when you become your own best lover, when you intimately know your own body, when you own your own pleasure, Mm -hmm. you get to use it in a conscious manner. Um, And what I've seen over and over again is that the most, you know, the most successful people in the world, the people who shine the brightest, take the biggest leaps, um, are the boldest, are those that are filled with that type of confidence and love inside of themselves And the path of sexuality is one of the deepest paths that I've seen that take these concepts of self-love and confidence and actually have you living it on on Mm -hmm. a body level, on an actual, I feel it throughout every piece of me level. Um, And so yeah you know to and and that seems like a far stretch or a far goal, but to know that you know a little bit at a time, you know I started slow I started with just essentially touching my body to one song um mm-hmm. and that it can be a journey and the exciting part is um that it can be a lifelong journey, you know yeah, your sexuality, grows and improves and gets even stronger and stronger with age, contrary to, again, very ageist belief in our culture, um, Mm -hmm. that it is and it can be a lifelong journey. So to not um, beat yourself up for where you are now, a thousand percent, you know, where you are now, if you're struggling, it's not your fault, you know, and it's not um, uncommon. I think one of the things I say often is that shame happens in isolation, right? We feel shame when we think we're the only one that struggles and that is the furthest from the truth when it comes to sexuality. So, you know, I would say, you know, do it, do it for yourself, do it for the world really.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And earlier you mentioned the term, uh, faux sexual liberation. It's, it's really funny. Um, I mean, I, I think you can define it maybe a little bit better than than I could, but I kind of sometimes wonder if I have that photo sexual liberation because when I moved to San Francisco, that's where I currently live now, I discovered that I became a lot more sexually open and I kind of wanted to start hooking up with more men because I was single living in a city full of single men. And obviously, like, I'm trying to find a partner. And I know you can't just have sex with people and think that they're going to get into a relationship with you just because of that. That was something that I sadly learned in college. I I learned that the hard way. And, you know, I definitely don't want to ever make that same mistake again. But I had always wondered if it was the location, because I'm in such a very sexual liberating city, I didn't know if maybe me being more sexually empowered had to do with the fact of the location that I'm in. Is that kind of an example of faux sexual liberation? Or do you think that it's more of you actually finding yourself and sometimes you actually really do fake it till you make it type thing?
1: Yeah, I would say that it's that's that is very common. Um And, you know it can't, I think when you're in a new place, when you're in a new city, it does something to your sense of identity too, right? Yeah. And so I think that there are different levels at play, specifically with what you mentioned. But I think that a faux sexuality in general is it is a pushing and a forcing and sort of a pretending to be. Um, hypersexual or pretending yeah. like you're okay with casual sex. Maybe if you're not, um, I things see. like that. Um, that's how I experienced it and how I lived it out and how I acted it out. Um, it was almost this like, well, you know, I'm a woman in this, you know, feminist time. I'm going to go have sex with whoever I want. But really, it was still me giving of my body when I didn't really want to, um, to people who didn't really deserve it and I knew it. Um, And then, so I think that there's that part. Um, And then there's, you know, when you are integrated in your sexuality, let's say now, I might go and, you know, if I wasn't with my partner, I might go and have casual sex, but I'm doing it very consciously. I'm doing it for my own power. I'm not doing it because... I secretly want, yeah, a relationship or for this to work out or for them to like me. Mm-hmm. It is fully sovereign. It's fully coming from me and it's a full yes. And I think you know when it's faux sexual liberation, when mm-hmm. if afterwards you feel depleted or you feel taken from instead of, you know, filled up and and vibrant and more alive. And yeah. And I think also, I'll just mention another way that this played out, a nuanced way, is that, you know, with my ex-boyfriend, we would do, like, you know, I would dress up or we would do kind of, like, wild, crazy sex things, Mm -hmm. but I was more getting off on the thrill of our connection and him wanting me than I was actually on the, like, pleasure of the experience. And so I think it's really important to parse those different things out, right? Are you feeling sexually satisfied from the inside out because of you and your pleasure? Or once again, is it still something that you're giving to someone else that you think makes you in your power? But it's really another way, once again, to try to get love, which there's no shame in that, right? There's such an innocence in – in trying to get love how you can, especially with how the world has taught you, which for women has been, you know, get it through your body.
0: Yeah. So there's
1: a deep innocence in it. And that's why, you know, I have deep compassion for myself and you and any other woman who has done this. But I think it is important to name that nuance um, because they get very, they're close to one another.
0: Yeah. And I will say it probably wasn't until 2019 where, I realized I need to start having sex for me because I think part of the journey about being single is some relationships that you have with people are just going to be sexual and that's okay. And I know for me, I used to be very sheltered about my own sexuality, where I only wanted to have sex with people when I was in a committed relationship because I always thought it was going to make the sex that much better. Right. But Being able to hook up with other guys and just not trying to put the pressure on myself and on them about whether or not this is going to be in a relationship. Sometimes it's just okay to have sex for fun and for you to enjoy the experience and realize it's not just about your partner that you're having sex with, but you're doing this for yourself too, because you want to, you're making that decision. And I Obviously, don't sleep with every single guy that I go on dates with. I make that decision because it's something that I'm comfortable with and it's something that I know that I'm going to have a good time doing. And as long as I'm communicating with that person that I'm also being satisfied, then that to me, that's fun and that's enjoyable. And I still seek out my own pleasure in that way. Now, of course, I have kind of changed my perspective on dating a little bit during this pandemic where. I'm not gonna start going out with guys unless that they actually want relationships and I will determine whether or not I wanna have sex with them depending on the connection of the relationship. Cause I'm still, cause now I'm okay with having sex with people outside of commitment. I used to be very sheltered about that cause I was always so scared of getting played and hurt. But it's like now I've been, I'm have been. i so much more mindful about intentions and just being able to put my trust into the right people. And I feel like that's worked out so much better in my favor to the point where I don't have to be scared about who I'm having sex with now. Because I think at the end of the day, what's important is that it's something that I enjoy and that I find fun in as well. But also hoping that my partner has fun because, again, sex is a two-way street, but never disregarding your own pleasure at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's great. You know, I think what you're describing is you coming from your empowerment and your sovereignty and making a choice that truly feels good for you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that is the core of it.
0: Yeah. And it's really funny. I mentioned because when I went going back to, oh, it wasn't until 2019. And it's funny because a guy kind of actually opened my eyes up to this. So, when I went to LA, I stayed at an Airbnb and I ended up hooking up with my host and we had like this whole talk about figuring out sexuality. And I knew, I knew that I was not getting into a relationship with this man. I mean, he lives in LA. I live in San Francisco, but that was never going to work. But I made the choice to just be more open and to just start hooking up with people when that moment feels right for me. And Oh my God, it was some of the best sexual interaction I ever had in my life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely like a thrill and a freedom of something around things not being attached. And, you know, every single person is different. And yeah, I think it's really beautiful that you came to that choice and you had a really beautiful experience. And I think that's always the most important thing. It's like the consent of the entire container. Right. Mm -hmm, And I think absolutely being real about what you need, Um, emotionally, physically, all of those different things. And that can vary from situation to situation, from person to person. I think it's just mainly being very, very, very real with yourself if you Mm -hmm. genuinely feel good about doing this thing or not. And yeah, you know, I'm an advocate for sex in all forms. So long as it's coming from that, (laughs) I think it's so beautiful and so healthy
0: yeah i agree and now i feel like i'm at a better relationship with my own sexuality and expression to the point where i even decided to start an OnlyFans account back in september now i don't do anything pornographic but i still definitely post sex work related type stuff on there. But I had originally done it because I wanted to review people's dating profiles on since you can message people on the platform. And then my whole YouTube channel, I talk about navigating life and dating in San Francisco. And I'm always talking about like, what makes a bad dating profile? What makes a good dating profile? So I use OnlyFans as a service for people to come to me for that help. But obviously, because people are paying for the platform, I need to post content on it. And I made the decision, you know what, I'm going to post Maybe pictures that I obviously wouldn't share on my Instagram, but I'm personally okay with it. I've become more comfortable in who I am. I'm also doing it for myself, and I'm proud of the work that I put into my OnlyFans content. And that's something that I'm not embarrassed about. If you had asked me about this a year and a half ago, I would have been like, oh, no, no way I'm doing that. But now I just Grown to be more accepting of my body and choosing to love my body and my own sexuality. That this was another way of how I wanted to share that to the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo! Celebrating you. (laughs) That's amazing. And you know, the whole world has sold our sexuality for years and years and years and years and years. It's about fucking time that we get paid for it. So yeah.
0: If you got to monetize it, why not? <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally.
0: So, so we're running a little bit short on time. Um, I wanted to ask you two more questions, and these can be short answered. Um, So I asked about like the biggest piece of advice. So I think the second thing that I wanted to know, kind of branching off of that is, what do you think should be the biggest thing that should be normalized when it comes to sex that you would want society to know or understand?
1: Oh, there's two things. So okay. one, I think that we should definitely normalize self-pleasure and doing self-pleasure even in relationship, just always, um, as a general, like my teacher's vision and what I see is like self-pleasure will be like yoga. So I'm hoping that happens. Um, mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I think we should normalize is having challenges in sex, having phases where you don't feel super sexual, having phases in relationship um, where you don't feel super sexual to normalize that your body goes through phases and to be sexually empowered doesn't mean that you're horny (laughs) 24-7 or that you want to have sex all the time because I think that sets a really unrealistic expectation. So to normalize the fluctuation and to normalize um, those phases as well, that they're totally okay and very healthy.
0: Awesome. I, I totally agree with you on that. And then the other thing that I wanted to know, um, just to kind of, I guess, wrap this up, could you share a little bit more about some of the courses that you provided within your coaching services? I know, I've, I know I've seen this before and I really am still intrigued by it, but I know you do a blowjob course. And then I also am curious to know what other kind of master classes you provide to the uh, social media community out there.
1: Yeah. So I did the BJ's for your pleasure workshop, which is available still for people to catch the replay. It's life-changing. I've gotten (laughs) lots and lots and lots of feedback um, that it was incredible. Um, I also run a course called School of Super Pleasure, which is a longer uh, four-month course um, all around sexual empowerment, orgasm, sexual energy, um, and coming up, actually, at the end of this year, I will likely do like a sacred self pleasure wrapping up the year, giving yourself a huge uh, self love bath. Um, <laughs> And then I think in January, uh, January, February, 2021, I will be launching a dating from pleasure course, which I'm super excited about. Um, and that really just flips the script of dating into being something pleasurable and something that you can do through your pleasure first and foremost. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of stuff all the time. So Anyone who wants to check out my work, um, I'm at Instagram um, at the theanwen, T-H-E-A-N-N-N-G-U-Y-E-N. I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes as well. Yes. Um, and uh, that's my website too, theanwen.com. And you can see all my workshops and offerings there.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, Anne, I want to thank you once again for coming on. This has been such a very eye opening conversation. And I really hope that those out there listening um, will feel more inspired to take back the power of their own sexual um, empowerment, and their own self pleasure and their own self love as well. Because I think you really shared important information that we shouldn't be ashamed of today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having
0: me. Absolutely. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Um, don't forget, if you are interested in sharing your shameless, unapologetic experiences, feel free to email me at the podcast at shamelessly at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at shamelessly unapologetic. And with that, I will see you in next week with a brand new episode. Bye.